Welcome to the Region Free Gamers podcast. Today, we try really hard not to talk about COVID-19 and fail. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Region Free Gamers podcast, the podcast fluent in gaming. My name is Paul Ramallo, and it looks like we've got a full house today. Uh, with me today, out of Rhode Island, Arnaldo Perez. Free Joe Exotic, baby. <laughs> <laughs> out of Brooklyn, New York, Ozzy Garcia. Hey, everybody. And out of the Netherlands, Jeff Ivats. A vote for Joe is a vote for change. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means, man. I you need to watch Tiger King. You've got to so watch uncultured. Show. <laughs> oh that one yeah it's on my list i gotta watch it because like everybody's talking about it <laughs> and uh finally out of the bronx anthony ariaga but john blake mcqueen mcclain for president man <laughs> <laughs> and who are you paul who are you i already said my name i'm paul romolo oh okay okay <laughs> Thank you, Ozzy, though, because like, I have done shows. We, we, You know what? One of our 98 episodes, I can't remember which one it was, but like I was doing the editing, and I actually didn't mention my name, and we uploaded it anyway. I was like, fuck it. But it was, uh, I, I listened to it, and I'm like, man, this is not you know very professional. I could always just insert it afterwards, like The Simpsons, you know, Mr. Yeah. Black. Mr. Black. <laughs> I keep forgetting who you all are, so I'm just, you know. <laughs> well, there's too many of us now. Like, we're no longer, like, I no longer have, go like, co-hosts. We're now, like, a gaggle of co-hosts. <laughs> all barely competent. So, <laughs> so anyway, the, um, actually, one of, the, like, you know, one of the great ironies of us hosting a video game podcast um, is that we actually often have very little time to play video games. So <laughs> when it comes to episodes like what we're going to do today, where we're just talking about what we've pl what we've been playing, we actually struggle sometimes to come up with games that we've played enough that we can give you know an informed opinion on. Um, but you know, I don't know if you guys have heard, but there's actually like this little bug going around. Like, have you guys heard of this? <laughs> no, I've been living under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then you, sir, are safe because a lot of people out there are getting infected with this thing. Yeah. That's what I'm being told. So um, I yeah. think my rock is very cozy now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like between between the, the COVID-19 and all the time I spent traveling, I've actually had, you know, a lot of time to play video games. I, like, how about the rest of you guys? I don't know. I mean, in my case, I don't know what all this free time people keep talking about comes from. <laughs> Um, everyone is like, oh, you know, I finally can get back into my backlog and I can finally read all these books that I want to read. And I'm like, fuckers, I'm working, man. Um, so <laughs> life has just been the same in terms of work for me. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I have tried, you know, since uh, there's the whole remote working thing going on now in New York, I have tried to separate, you know, my work time from my, you know, leisure time, I guess, in order to keep my sanity as best as possible. Um, so I, yeah, yeah. so it's, it hasn't been substantially different, but I have tried to build more time for it so that I can actually, you know, be a functional human being and not fall into despair into a bottomless pit of, you know, thoughts. Uh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Where'd be so. true? That's good. <laughs> I'll keep it light this episode. I, I swear I'm yeah. not going to be existential <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I did mention I did mention travel there. Like, do you guys do you guys want to hear about Japan? Oh yeah, no? tell us everything no. about the things we haven't been able yes, to do. Yeah. Just you know, regale <laughs> yes, us with please. your tales. Rub it in, rub it in. Tell us about how it used to be back in the good old days. Back when we could be free and irresponsible. Yeah, people used to travel. It's cool, yeah, man. man. Um, you know what though? Actually, it's gonna take. That's probably gonna take a little while because Japan was like quite the experience. So. Oh, I do I'm have sure. something. I do have something more important to mention, and that is giving a big thank you to everyone for listening. Thanks for getting in touch with us as well. I know it's silly, but like with all the isolation we're experiencing, I actually hope that we're helping out a little bit with that. Yeah. Um. So you know, don't forget to tell a friend about the show and leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. Uh, you can do the, you can do the LeBron James math there. So not one, not two. <laughs> Not three, five stars, please. <laughs> Four stars, unacceptable. And let me just let me, let me just mention Paul before you proceed. I mean, you mentioned the isolation that we're all experiencing. I I really do think that's something that's been kind of really keeping me, you know, encouraged, you know, to carry on and record as much as we can. Because even mm-hmm. if it's something small, I do feel like if we can bring in some sort of relief to people, you know, by listening to us, you know, shoot the shit. Um, I think, you know, we're doing at least something negligibly positive. Um, mm-hmm. And also, if, if people are feeling very isolated or, you know, like they don't have anyone to talk to, I mean, feel free to reach out to us, honestly. I mean, we're happy mm-hmm. to talk. Usually, it's Arnie manning the RFG, but if, you know, you reach out to him and, you know, he loops us in, we can all kind of like ship in and, yep. you know, be cheerful with you and, you know, pick your spirits back up. I mean, th- that's kind of like our public service announcement for the day. Um, we're here Agreed. for you. You know, we're here for our listeners. If you have stuck with us for all these years, or even if you have just joined us, you know, if you're feeling down, we got you. You know, we're not, you know, going to be so distant that we're saying like, you know, we're not Hollywood yet. So you can still, you can still <laughs> I will talk pretend to, to be whoever you want me to be if you reach out to me on Instagram. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a whore. <laughs> In these trying times, you can find my cameo page uh, somewhere, I'm sure. I'll call you and leave you a nice voicemail or something. Oh my god, the cameo page. I just I just discovered that like three weeks ago or something. A buddy sent me a link to it. I love that that exists. I it's love that best. I can get, you know, D list celebrities to I saw the soup Nazis page. Yep. On cameo. Oh, like it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. He's like, if you give me, you know, if you give me fifty bucks, I'll record whatever you want. But don't <laughs> He says, but don't ask me to put on the chef costume. If you ask me if you ask me to put on the chef costume, it's an additional two hundred dollars. Because I have Christ. to I have to go out, I have to rent the chef costume. It's all very intense. And I'm like, this is the most soup Nazi instruction possible. Right? Like you know, you have to do X, Y, and Z, and I'll give you this very specific thing. Oh yes. my god, it was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but carry on, Paul. God, I know I interrupted man. you. No, no, not at all. I was gonna say it's just nice. God damn, man. It's nice to chat with yeah. people who I love my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer. Disclaimer. You know, very, parody, very parody. much. But like Japanese hotel rooms are really small, guys. They're really <laughs> small. So yeah, it's nice to it's nice to chat with you all. And yeah, yeah. Japan, like um, I think I told you guys it was actually my first time there, which is completely ridiculous when when I think about my own, you know, personal culture and what I've grown up with. Like mm-hmm. I've been to, 
you know, not like a ton of different countries, but I'm fairly well traveled, I suppose. And yet somehow Japan just kind of never happened. I mean, maybe it's because so, halfway around the world, Paul, I don't know. I mean, that, you know what, that helps the, in all honesty, the shitty Canadian peso is a factor. Because <laughs> we were, we were actually going to go like three years ago. And mm. that was right after Trudeau got elected. And I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying Trudeau caused Thanks, Trudeau. our dollar to tank. <laughs> it's actually the our energy sector has just completely bottomed oh. out. Um, but yeah, like after our dollar tanked, that was like, well, I don't know if Japan's such a good idea now. Maybe we'll just wait <laughs> for the dollar to come back, and it never did. So, you know, we just kind of sucked it up and and went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, like. I can't believe it took me so long to go because it was it was like you know probably the best trip I've ever been on. We went for four weeks, and uh, it was yeah. What can I say? Which is the fantastic. way to do it if you're gonna go. You gotta go a long time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. we had it planned for we had it planned for a very long time, and because of the language barrier, we didn't really like sometimes depending on the country we're going to. Like if it's a largely English speaking country, then we'll just kind of wing it. You know, like we'll we'll rent a car and we'll kind of figure out where we want to go and what we want to do as we go along. Because sometimes you'll hit a place and you'll be like, whoa, this is way better than I expected. I want to spend an extra day here. And mm-hmm. you don't want to have hotels booked all the way down the line. But uh, for Japan, given the, the language barrier, we just had everything fairly meticulously planned ahead of time. We got the rail pass, which was a fantastic idea. Yeah, and yeah. Um, How awesome yeah, are the starting- trains, uh, Paul? Dude, they're great. Yeah. They're great. There's no like. They're better than no... the New York subway system. Oh, please, <laughs> nothing's like better the... than the New York subway system. Ain't number one, I mean, baby. I doubt many things compared to the six line coming from the Bronx. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, unfortunately, you're losing the you're losing the aroma of pee. You know, you don't have that in the Japanese subway system, which is really unfortunate. Paul, I remember when you guys came and I just told you, just take that in. Just take that in. That's the, the aroma of really the musk pee. It's the number one thing I remember from the subway in New York was like this just overwhelming like aroma. I was it like, just wow, hits you like a ton incredible. of brick when the train's about to come and you just get that whiff. <laughs> No, the the worst the worst is when you when the train comes and you see like oh plenty of seats and you're like wait yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't spotted them yet <laughs> or the AC is broken if you happen to be in the summer ah. so it's never good ah. when you see an empty subway car in New York pro tip for everyone out there that comes to New York it's a no go. <laughs> But yeah, no, the trains were great. Uh, the subway, the subway's a subway, like the subway in Tokyo, for example, or, you know, Sapporo, all the other places we went to. The subway's a subway, like it's no better, no worse, really, than anywhere else. It just, it's efficient, it runs on time, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, but that is the big expect. difference. That's that's the big difference is like most subways don't run on a second by second schedule. Theirs yeah. does. No, it the does. The DC yeah. one definitely doesn't, I can tell you that. Yeah. No, when when it says it's going to show up at a certain time, it is there at a certain time and yeah. you better be ready. Like that's just yeah. kinda that's just kinda how it is. But if you Paul, if Paul, you plan you, your day around did that. Did you it's find great. sorry, did you see so no. one of the things I love to do on the Japanese trains is to stand at the front because you can see the driver and what they're looking at. Did you do any of that? I know it's really nerdy. But that's probably one of my favorite things to do in Japan. I, I do yeah. that in New York. Oh, you can do that in New York. You can't do that in London. You know? 
<laughs> yeah. Well, you're you're both gigantic nerds. That's cool. Um, no, you know what, man? Because I grew up in Toronto, like the subway is just a subway. I didn't really. <laughs> Sorry. Jeff has been doing this since he got his first ten shot the gold train set. I was um, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So when on this is where I get really nerdy. On in Tokyo, if you go on the on the Yamanote line, which is the overground JR Circle route, you can see mm, half yeah. of Tokyo just by taking a two hundred yen train ticket. It's great. That sounds amazing oh. to me, Jeff. Pro I, tip, pro yeah. tip. I should have told oh, you that man. two months ago, Paul. Yeah, you should have told me that beforehand. Because for us, the subway, <laughs> it was literally like from point A to point B. There was very little sightseeing yeah. on the subway. Like there was the, um, we took the Shinkansen from Tokyo to Kyoto. And you could see Mount Fuji, uh, Mount Fuji uh, out the window of the Shinkansen. That was amazing, really cool. Yeah. The, uh, the train from the ski resorts up in the north, or sorry, in the west of Hokkaido. Um, that train from the ski resorts to Sapporo, there's like, you could see the ocean and there were people friggin' surfing, man. Like, wow. and it was below zero out there. <laughs> we, we just, we could not believe it. We were thinking like, it's gotta be like Tokyo 2020 training. It's gotta be training, yeah. <laughs> Which by the way. <laughs> Tokyo 2021, baby. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <right. laughs> exactly. But yeah, they were, they were hardcore out there. But yeah, I mean, you know, just to keep it on theme, like we'll talk about we'll talk about the games, right? Because like, in yeah. all honesty, I could spend well over an hour just talking about like the food and the atmosphere and the food and I don't want to hear food. about that nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> so who goes to Japan for the food? I mean, come on. Oh, dude, <laughs> who does that? I I can't even, man. I can't even start with the food. Like it was like every. <laughs> God damn day was something new and delicious and <laughs> like and the desserts were just like unreal. The ramen was like mind blowing, mind blowing. Paul, the Paul. first ramen we tried, go ahead, Ozzy. On a scale of one to ten, how similar was it to the Jakuza experience? Because that's really what matters to me right now. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, the problem was, and I guess we were in the wrong place, but I didn't see any brawls in the street <laughs> and i really i really wanted to see some old ladies like cheering on you know a guy in a leisure suit beating the shit out of some jabronis with but, a bicycle <laughs> yeah like i just i just didn't see it i'll tell you what though i did see a whole bunch of alleyways with bicycles parked and i was like holy shit look at that wide selection of weaponry <laughs> No, but, but seriously, so, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's a serious question, though. I mean, did it feel like Jakusa captured, you know, the Japan experience in some minuscule way, I guess? Only where it was supposed to, which is Kabukicho, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Kabukicho in Tokyo. Yeah, when you're walking through Kabukicho, it definitely, it definitely feels like Yakuza, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, like, awesome. Because I was kind of, I was kind of looking for that, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, and it definitely kind of fulfilled that like it was, you know, between the lights and, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but like a lot of the people in Yakuza, like the, you know, there's like a drunk stumbling around, there's people arm <laughs> in arm, there's like a lot of little details with the people kind of around mm -hmm. Kiryu that you don't notice because Kiryu's, you know, Kiryu's on a mission, right? Like you don't have time to notice scenery a lot of the time, yeah. but it did kind of have a fairly accurate feel there. A lot of, you know, the salary men walking through the street, Tons and tons of salarymen. Are Jesus there Don Quixotes or? Oh yeah, yep. yeah, the Don Quixote. Yeah, they um they don't even call them Don Quixote so much. They call them Mega Donkey 
over there. Oh, okay. Which I thought was hilarious. Like the first time we <laughs> saw one in in Sapporo, I was like, the other the other delightful thing about Japan is the names they have for everything because all the the terrible English and so on. Like my wife and I were constantly like pointing at stuff and giggling. And by the way, <laughs> it's rude to point. So we there's like a whole bunch of stupid rules there, but like. <laughs> one of the one of the uh, things that you don't do there is point with your index finger, right? It's considered rude. Fair enough. So instead of pointing, what we did was we did open palmed, grand sweeping gestures towards <laughs> things. And so you when were I saw Vanna whiting all over Tokyo, correct. That's that's a brilliant way of putting it, Arnie. That's <laughs> almost exactly what we did. Um, so yeah, when we saw when we saw our first Don Quixote, it was just mega donkey. And I did a, a sweeping gesture. I was like, oh, my God, mega donkey. This is amazing. <laughs> and uh, it was only a few minutes later that I realized it was actually Don Quixote. And then I really felt like I was in Yakuza, <laughs> even, though, you know, even though I was in Sapporo. And it's interesting because, I mean, uh, you know, Kam- Kamurosho, that's how it's called in Yakuza, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, rather than that, I would really want to go to like Yamanosuke, you know, where, which is where Shemud 1 takes place. Um, so oh. it's it's always interesting to see what you know you're looking for when you go to Japan. You know there are particular personal experiences that you want to try to fulfill um, when you go to Japan, and it sounds like you fulfilled quite a few of them, no? Just about everything, honestly. Did you do, you know, did like, you do Persona Five locations? Did you do any of that, or did you come yeah. like stumble across them? Yeah, because they're quite they're quite well known. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Persona Five was kind of like it's it's so bizarre to be like a tourist with a video game centric theme like it feels yeah. ridiculous but <laughs> i know i'm not the only one because like mm. everybody was taking their picture next to hachiko just outside of shibuya station yeah. the uh the statue of the dog yeah mm. um like there was a lineup for people taking pictures with hachiko it was crazy <laughs> and so like you know just the whole the whole shibuya scramble was it's so like it's so dumb because like the people who live there are like, dude, it's just a street crossing. What's wrong with you? <laughs> but you know we're there and it's like, oh my god, it's the Shibuya scramble. And you know what? I don't care. It was fucking cool. Like yeah, yeah, there yeah. were, you know, it's gigantic and there were so many people. And Shibuya 109 is over and like just kind of like standing up straight, and you know it's kind of the centerpiece of the whole thing. Tons of screens. It's so loud. It's it man. It's so cool. <laughs> and uh yeah like so yeah i won't get into the food that's honestly like that's a whole other thing the the video games are the main thing um so just a few things to touch on mm. the um i think i went to akihabara the second day that i was in tokyo and i actually met up with a buddy of mine there from toronto who happened to be in town which was <laughs> awesome. just happened to mm. be in japan <laughs> yeah he was like he he goes there often for business so he's usually there ah like two to three months out of every year so it wasn't you know it wasn't like a, a super low percentage play yeah. to find him there but uh, yeah he was there and so we hung out in in Hakiabra for the day because he's been to japan so many times his wife is japanese like you know he's just he's kind of i wouldn't say done with it mm. but he like we went we went to have a hamburger for lunch and i'm like <laughs> and he was and he's and later on in the afternoon i'm like I, we walk by the Square Enix Cafe, and uh, and I'm like, dude, Square Enix Cafe. And he's like, ah, there's probably a line up there. Let's find Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I'm like, dude, I know, I know you're done with it. I know you've <laughs> been here and you've done that, but that's the fucking Square Enix Cafe, and this is my first time in Akihabara. <laughs> but yeah, I gotta say, like stepping out of the station, um, the Electric Town station, and just kind of like looking, and you know, you see the Welcome to Akihabara sign with like the cute anime guy with the thumbs up. And Did you feel like you were home? I don't know if I felt like I was home because <laughs> I looked a lot different than everybody else. <laughs> but, <laughs> but at the same time, yeah. But like, <laughs> it was it was awesome, man. Like you know, it 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 was like I said, it's my own it's my own personal culture. Like that mm. whole scene is a huge yep. part of it. Yeah, and to just kind of like be completely immersed in that was awesome. I can't even. I can't even begin to explain. I was really, really happy, really yeah. happy. Yeah. And there's just so much to explore there. Jeff was saying before, like, it's very, it's very crowded and tourist oriented. You're not going to find like good deals in yeah. Akihabara. Everything is very either fairly or, you know, fairly expensively priced, but that's not really the point, right? Exactly. Like the point is just kind of exploring and, and being immersed and, you know, seeing all the other excited white people too. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> cause trust me, you won't be the only one. There'll be other people there with cameras who are wide eyed and, yeah. and super happy to be there. Yeah. So, uh, the other thing as well, and I, I promise not to go too long here. The other thing that was actually almost even more impressive in some ways was Denden town in Osaka. Uh, if you're oh, yeah. if you're looking yeah if you're like going on kind of kind of like a gaming culture trip you have to i would say you have to go to osaka and and you have to explore denden town because it's basically like a you know it, it's it has more selection when you're looking for games when you're looking for anime if you're looking for figures and they have like everything right mm -hmm. and it's less crowded it it's almost like a more I don't know, Akihabara is its own thing. The crowds actually make it a unique experience. Mm -hmm. But Denden Town in Osaka was even more enjoyable just because there were enough people that it felt like it was bustling and happening, but not so many people that you weren't, you know, arms at your sides, you know, just kind of like going through very small aisles looking at retro games and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was super cool. I came back with... I don't know, like twenty games or something. I left Akihabara, nice. and I think I had, I think I had six or seven, and I hit my budget ceiling, yeah. and then I got to Osaka, and like, goddamn man, like when you're when you're exposed to this stuff every single day, the yeah. willpower just gets drained. <laughs> it really does, and so yeah, I broke. What I was broke your most hard. priced pickup, Paul? You know, the it was one of the cheapest ones. Um, it was Fantasy Star Generation 1 uh, for the PS2, which is a remake of the mm -hmm. original Fantasy yep. Star, and I'd wanted it for a long time. And yeah, I found it I found it in Akihabara, and I was like, sweet, you know, we're done. I'm good, right? Yeah. Like, this was... Uh, it, it's definitely the most special game I picked up. It's not the most expensive one by any stretch, but mm -hmm. I, that was the only place uh, the town or the... Um, the shop that I saw it at. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was uh, Surugaya specialty mm -hmm. shop in Akihabara. And uh, yeah, I'm super glad I found it because I didn't see it You didn't pick up else. Generation 2 or anything? No, I didn't even see it. Yeah. Didn't even see it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I felt pretty lucky to find what I did find. 
And, you know, I, I found like a bunch of cheap old uh, PC Engine games, some of which I had when I was a kid, some mm. of which I really wanted when I was a kid, but never came over stateside. Uh, you know, a bunch of uh, PS1 games. Again, like I never, I didn't really. I think the most expensive thing I picked up was an Xbox 360 shoot 'em up, uh, Mushihime Sama. Uh, yep. Um, but you know that that was about it. Like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure for the PS3, not the fighting game, but um, the more adventure. Uh, I think it's Eyes on Heaven. Um, Under Defeat for the PS3. Like we're talking like thirty to forty dollar mm-hmm. range. I picked up a few of those. But yeah, no, I, I didn't come away with anything from like the the super display <laughs> case. You know, there's no hyper dual currently uh, sitting in my basement. No, uh, no virtual on fight stick. <laughs> okay, so I did find one. Aha! Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, no, I I did. I was chatting with Roland from Arcade Tokyo beforehand, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Yeah, I you know I on my current trip, I don't see any. I can't point you to any." And he's like, "I don't even remember ever seeing any." I did find one in Osaka, but like, where am I going to fit it? Our yeah. luggage was like full because yeah. this was this was supposed to be a two month trip that unfortunately mm-hmm. got cut short um, while we were in Australia because of the virus. So we were carrying like a lot of different stuff, right? Like we were packed for, you know, we were packed two for winter ski list. weather. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we also had camping equipment because we mm-hmm. were going to do some camping in Australia. So yeah, the luggage space was pretty tight. I could not fit twin sticks as much as i really really wanted to <laughs> ship it you would just 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 ship it man that's what i would have done box it up ship it out see it you see know it what in two months time yeah <laughs> you know maybe in retrospect that would have been but like the shipping's not cheap man like we shipped our ski gear uh back because after we were done skiing it's like well we've got helmets we've got you know all this bulky gear so we put it in a big box and we shipped it back to Canada to a couple of friends of ours. It was not cheap, man. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that really kind of kept me from potentially shipping more stuff. The other problem, the other thing too, is that like the limited luggage space we had also kept me from spending too much. So if I just kept buying shit and then shipping it, who knows where it would have ended, right? Like the the lack of suitcase space actually put like an artificial ceiling on what we could buy because it wasn't just games like it was clothes it was souvenirs like we wanted everything we saw because like there was just so much ridiculous japanese stuff you know and it's all very cute and charming and you want all of it and you're surrounded by it every single day so your willpower gets chipped away at um but yeah thankfully (laughs) yeah thankfully in retrospect (laughs) uh we had no luggage space so we were able to keep the uh, the budget ceiling in check because of that. Well so, yeah, we're gonna have to, guys. We're gonna have to have to plan a trip because oh yes, the only the only thing missing. And again, love my wife. She's <laughs> she's not so useful in an arcade. Um, <laughs> whereas going with some buddies and going to a Japanese arcade. I could lose a day there easily. Yeah. Let me also, uh, Paul, I mean, uh, you mentioned something that brought to mind something else. Uh, I don't think we mentioned that we had to cancel our trip to New York, um, where mm-hmm. all of us were going to meet. Um, I know we yep. wanted to do a meetup. 
Um, we haven't acknowledged that on our recording, but I wanted to make sure we did that, even though it's probably it probably made sense to do it at the at the top of the yeah. show. But whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, all of us were planning to meet up in New York, uh, you know, this week actually, where we're recording, late March, early yep. April. Um, but you know, the the virus had other you know ideas and plans, and so New York right now is in a state of certain uncertainty. Uh, so we all had to respectively, you know put away those plans i guess um so sorry to everyone i know jeff was very excited to come over here uh paul i don't have a lot of you know uh you know i don't feel too bad for you but um you were also, <laughs> <laughs> you were also planning to come over here yeah um and arnie was gonna drive down here from rhode island but um you know sorry guys uh we're gonna try to make it happen at some other point um yep. probably you know if all of you are able to make it down for my wedding. Maybe we can get it done then. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Well, we're definitely going to get it done. Like Jeff and I have already chatted about this. We both have pretty flexible schedules. And uh, I don't know about Jeff, but like the cancellation of the remainder of our trip means that we have some cash left over. So, you know, yeah. silver lining. So oh, exactly. whenever it, whenever things calm down and they will calm down people, like all you people buying 100 rolls of toilet paper fuck off like <laughs> it's going to be fine like when you look back through the last century and everything that we've been through don't worry about it so yeah i've chatted with jeff and uh we're, we're definitely going to do it it's just a matter of when, when? is really all yep. it is yeah so yeah i know ozzy thanks for mentioning that i would have frankly i would have forgot because now that i'm chatting with you guys and i'm all happy you know it's easy <laughs> to uh it's easy to forget like the shitty ah oh, we can't go to new york anymore mm part of the whole thing so anyhow you know what this has gone a little bit long and why don't we take a break eh yep yep works for me do it all right cool when we come back ozzy's gonna share what he's been playing great everyone we're back ozzy tell me what you've been playing i feel so privileged i mean this is the first time i think i've been asked you know first to go um and so. your time is <laughs> off uh, so there's a lot of pressure on me right now but no i mean uh, i've actually you know i've actually been playing uh i wouldn't say quite a lot i mean compared to you know what most of our audience and you guys play i i think that i'm probably the the, the most lightweight here um but you know, unlike other times where we've done a what have you been playing, I actually have a game that I've played for over 60 hours, which it's very, what? it's very untypical for me nowadays. And pause here, like, pfft, uh, Atrian Odyssey, that's nothing. <laughs> um, but no, I finally got around to beating Dark Souls 2 Scholar of the First Sin. And uh, that's been super exciting because it's my first Dark Souls that I actually beat and, and get through. And um, I don't know about you guys, but there's a kind of degree of pride that goes along with that. It's like, okay, I'm a real gamer exactly. now. Yeah. I, yeah, I beat my <laughs> first Dark Souls. Welcome to the club. Even though, yeah. even though it's, it's generally hailed as the easiest of them all. And also, I made liberal use of the summons. So, you know, do with that what you may, but still, you know, I mean, it's nothing the to scoff at. Win. Yeah, a win's a win, nothing to scoff at, but... Yeah. I agree. You know, this has been... Just ask the Astros. 
<laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, but, you know, this has been in the process, I would say, since 2014, when I first played mm. Dark Souls 2, the vanilla version, um, on the PS3. And I dutifully got my ass kicked, um, and I just stopped <laughs> playing it. And I got pissed off at the mechanic where, you know, Dark Souls 2 is weird in that, you know, the moment that you die, you lose your humanity. And what that means is that you lose, like, 10% of your health permanently, which is very, very mean. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that you're like, oh why? If, if I am dying, it's because I'm struggling. Why are you making it harder, you know, when I die? <laughs> it, it just seems completely unfair and brutal. But, you know, when I first uh, experienced that, I was like, you know what? This this is not for me. I'm, I'm done with this. And, you know, sporadically, I've picked it back up just to see if I can, you know, get through it. And, mm. you know, I picked it back up like two years after. And then, you know, I, I got Scholar of the First Sin. And that's when I, every time I picked it back up, I would just start a new game all over. Um, but, you know, in between all that time, I actually got to play Dark Souls 3. I actually got to play Bloodborne. And, you know, I, I got more acquainted with a, a Souls-like experience. And I started kind of deciphering the ins and outs of how to properly build a character how to properly level up you know kind of acknowledging the grind that goes along with it you know one of the things mm -hmm. is that you have to just accept that there's going to be a little bit of grinding in dark souls um and mm -hmm. having to farm souls etc and kind of losing mm -hmm. the fear of the game kind of losing the fear of okay if i die i'm going to lose all my souls you know and then i have to make it all the way back to recover my souls you know you, you kind of lose that fear once you play a lot more of it and so you know, a few months ago, there was a sale on the PlayStation Network. Um, I don't even know if it's even called the PlayStation Network anymore, but I keep calling it that. Um, <laughs> and Dark Souls Scholar of the First Sin uh, was on there for like $9.99. I was like, you know what? This is the perfect time. I want to play it. You know, it's going to be 60 FPS. It's going to have all the DLC. Um, and so, you know, on a... You know, on, on a hunch, I just said, you know what, let's just pick it up. It was, I bought that and Rise of the Tomb Raider, and I put on Rise of the Tomb Raider, and I, like, realized that I like to actually play my games and not just, like, watch a cutscene. <laughs> um, and so, from that, I was like, you know what, let me put on Dark Souls. And before you knew it, man, I was hooked. Um, and, you know, Dark Souls 2 gets a lot of bad rap, you know, and I think, you know, a lot of it is fair, you know, but... I do think that it's a, a really fantastic game in its own right. I mean, a lot of the people that give Dark Souls 2 a bad rap is because they came from Dark Souls 1. Um, that's not my experience. Um, you know, Jeff, for example, you know, you played Dark Souls 1. You beat Ornstein and Small. You know, you did all the, the cool things, you know, in terms of Dark Souls 1. I, I did not, you know, I did not really do that. So for me, Dark Souls 2 was kind of coming in fresh. And so the criticism, you know, did not really stick for me. Um, you know, there's a lot of valid criticism. I think, you know, the bosses, there are a ton of them, but a lot of them are, you know, kind of copy paste. You know, some of them are not very different from each other. You know, the uh, definitely the art design is not as um, out there as a Dark Souls 1 or a Bloodborne. Um, but it's still, you know, very... I mean, the soundtrack is great, as is the case for most of the From Software games, and I still love the art design, and um, I don't know, man, I mean, I, I like the kind of video gamey feel of it, that it's unlike the other Dark Souls. The other Dark Souls have a cohesion to them, where, you know, everything kind of connects with each other. 
this game just kind of throws all that shit out. You know, this game is like, okay, uh, you're in the middle of a mountain, and so you're going to take an elevator that goes up, and then you're in a lava level. <laughs> like, what <laughs> the fuck does this mean, you know? And you just kind of got to roll with it, you know? There's no cohesion to the world, and that's what a lot of people criticize it for, but to me, I was just like, you know what? <laughs> I actually don't mind this, because you get, like, the lava level, you get, like, the snow level, and, of course, you get the <laughs> obligatory poison level, which everyone, you know, hates in the Dark Souls games, uh, but you get by. I mean, I, I don't know, Jeff. What's your experience with Dark Souls Two? Yeah, this is the one I haven't completed. I, I think for the reasons why you kind of uh, that you just said, like I just found that it just was it didn't have that cohesive nature to it. Um, the first and the third ones are are generally considered better, and and that's what I kind of experienced as well. I think the first one is is that you know it's very hard to beat in terms of the. The design in terms of the feel in terms of the character uh creation as well i think that that was an incredibly solid game but dark souls 2 yeah it felt very bitty it felt very it felt quite repetitive let's say with the bosses so it was a trickier one to 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 love and enjoy uh but yeah i think for me the first one it, it's a hard one to beat do you think that it was like the do you think it was like the curse of more where they're just trying to put more stuff in the sequel yeah, I think that's probably it. But the, the, the thing about Dark Souls 2 as well is that it wasn't done by, by Miyazaki-san. Um, he, he kind of oversaw the production of it, but he was actually working on Bloodborne at the time. Um, so it was kind of uh, from Software's B-team that was working on this one. So that's why it kind of feels like a little bit of a step down in terms of quality. Um, so like I said, the art design is not quite as up there as a Bloodborne. Um, you know, like most of the bosses are a variation of, you know, knight in armor. Um, and some of them are even rehashes of uh, Dark Souls 1, like, you know, the, the, the Belfry Gargoyles, you know, they're kind of like a rehash of Dark Souls 1. Um, even, uh, you know, Dragon Rider uh, Ornstein comes up on this one. He's called the old Dragon Rider here. Um, a lot of dragons. You're going to see a lot of different dragons, you know. Um, so uh, the other thing about this one that is very rightfully criticized for, it's that it's kind of version of making it hard is to throw just a bunch of enemies at you. And so <laughs> it's not that, you know, you get to face off and square off against one or two enemies and you yeah. have to be crafty about how to dodge, etc. It's about, you know, all of a sudden you are ganged up by four to five enemies and you have to just make do with that. And, you know, and that tends to feel very unfair. I think out of all the Dark Souls games, I think this is the one where it's like, it's not necessarily tough, but fair. It's It kind of falls into the unfair category a lot of the times. Um, but, you know, but you mm -hmm. do get used to it. And, you know, especially once you start going up in levels, you know, it starts becoming a lot more manageable and, and you start learning how to gank the enemies and make sure that you're only taking on one at a time. Um, I'm actually going through the DLC now, which the DLC is generally hailed as the most difficult um, of that entire game, but also some of the best, you know, design of that particular game. And, and yeah, man, the difficulty is tough as hell. But, you know, kind of like riding a bicycle, playing a Souls game almost becomes second nature, um, which mm -hmm. I think is probably why when someone plays Sekiro, it's very, you know, shocking because it, Sekiro just kind of throws those rules out. Um, it's a very different game and the parry mechanics just, 
you know, they, they, they have to develop a different side of your brain. And so with a Souls-like game, you know, you kind of get used to the dodging, you know, and depending upon the particular playstyle that you use, I'm very much a melee fighter, so I rely a lot on dodging and agility, etc. Um, you know, you just kind of tr- translate that skill from game to game. Um, so it, it, you know, the whole idea of get good actually does apply. And the whole get good, it just means, you know, making those kind of mechanics second nature. Um, and I think in that sense, it's very good. I also, there's something else I like about Dark Souls too. I really like, you know, there's not a lot of story in Dark Souls. Uh, it's, it's very cryptic for the most part, but I think it's one of the more melancholic, you know, stories in the Souls games. Um, you know, the first and the third are very kind of grand. You know, it's, it's more about a mm-hmm. macro story about rekindling the first flame. So the whole story about Dark Souls is essentially, you know, the, the, basically this, uh, gods, you know, re- rebelled against the old dragons and stuff. And, you know, they lit the first flame and the first flame gave rise to like a period of civilization and stuff like that. But then the first flame started fading and then the world started fa- falling into course and stuff like that. And so the world just kind of goes through cycles of rekindling the flame. And so that's what you do in the first one. The second one, it's kind of like mm-hmm. the same kind of principle, but it's more, geared towards this particular period, uh, this particular area called Drangleek. And it's all about the story about this king that falls in love with this woman. And the woman is kind of like, you know, kind of starts manipulating him and stuff like that and, you know, leading him into darkness. And I like the fact that it's more intimate. I like the fact that, you know, it's not as grand a tale as Dark Souls 1 or 3 or even Bloodborne. It's about, you know, this kind of fall into ruin for this kingdom because of this man's obsession with this woman. Um, so mm-hmm. in that sense, it's a little bit different from the other Dark Souls games. Um, so Cool. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I really dig it. The, the final... The ending, like I told Jeff uh, offline, the ending is kind of anticlimactic. You know, it's really... You know, there are games that are more <laughs> about the ride rather than the, the payoff. Yeah. You know, so you can't really, you know, hope that by the end you get some grand, you know, denouement. Uh, they're just not built for that. That's not the type of games they are. And so you get like a quick, you know, one minute cutscene and that's it. You're done. You know, um, it's almost like, you know, I beat Dark Souls and all I got was a stupid cutscene. Um, so uh, <laughs> that's kind just, of how it is for most of them, to be honest with you. It's like, yeah. this is this is your 20 seconds but here's yeah. new game plus. So off you go again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to read all the item descriptions to get all the good shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, but I, I, you know, I, very good wikis I, out there. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm still playing it. I'm trying to go through the DLC now. Um, and I just, honestly, funnily enough, uh, you know, even with this whole mess of a world that we're living in right now, where we're all stuck at home. You know, one of the few things that actually makes me very relaxed is just playing Dark Souls Two. Honestly, I mean, it's yeah. it's it's weird. Just getting punished over and over. No, it's again. I don't think it's weird at all. Like you kind of, it's one of those games where it seems to be anyway, because I'm not terribly experienced with them. But it seems to be one of those games. Like I don't want to compare it to Tetris, but like mm-hmm. you get into a certain flow, and then you kind of just get relaxed. Like you get into a rhythm. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's very right. Um, and you know, it's kind of like comfort food. Um, and if mm-hmm. I want to get even more philosophical, it's kind of like, you know, when so much in the world is out of our control, um, you know, it kind of makes you feel like, okay, this is stuff, but it's in my control. And it's just yeah. kind of like taking charge of something at the very least. So yeah. I don't know if I want to get philosophical. But uh, besides There's that... The catharsis of yeah. just overcoming something difficult. I yeah. mean, you yeah. know, when you but, try and yeah, try I, and finally succeed. Yeah, but, but for sure, like taking charge of 
getting your ass kicked repeatedly <laughs> is, you know, very, yeah. very strong. Yeah, but I'll go to bat for Dark Souls 2. I, I honestly, I, I enjoyed it. And I would say, you know, don't pay too much mind to the criticism, you know, try it out. Um, I mm-hmm. think it's a good game. Uh, but besides that, uh, right after I finished Dark Souls 2, or actually, I think in between, um, I was stuck on a particular part and I was just like, okay, I need to take like a quick break. Uh, I did play <laughs> a game that I've been meaning to play for a while, and that's Return of the Oprah Din. Um you know, kind of a, a small game by the the maker of Papers, Please, uh, Lucas Pope. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, right on. Uh, you know, it's it's a very um, you know aesthetically unique game. It's a one bit game, meaning that you know the graphics kind of look like one of the old like Commodore computers, um, or like you actually have a filter where you can change you know the look of it based on what computer you know from the 1980s you know you would be using so um so so it's still 3d but at the same Mm -hmm. time it looks very antiquated and you know i must imagine that part of the reason for that is because you know this is basically a one-man development game um so you know you can't really have the same degree of um you know lavish budget and you know applying all this fancy graphics and stuff so it it almost feels like a like a wireframe game in a way um there's actually no movement in the game i mean there's no motion capture there's actually no animation for the most part everything is just kind of stuck in place and for those of you that don't know return of the Oberdin is a game that takes place in the 19th century it's very influenced by uh moby dick uh herman melville's moby dick uh you know in terms of the nautical theme in terms of you know being out at sea and and you know and the tribulations uh that that go along with that and you play an insurance adjuster um that is a sign to basically uh make sense and and you know basically do the adjusting for uh the Oberdin after it returns with everyone uh, in the crew uh, either missing or dead. Um, so after like 20 years uh, of the Oberdin being separated, the Oberdin made sail from like Southern Africa uh, all the way. It was going to the UK. And so something happens in between there and it's your job to kind of figure it out. And it's interesting because it's kind of like Memento uh, because mm-hmm. you start the game, you know, kind of seeing the end. And you have to make your way to the beginning. Um, and, oh, right on. And little by little, you start getting all the clues. And it really does make you feel like a Sherlock Holmes. You know, a lot of it is kind of like, you know, guessing, like your best educated guess as to may- what may have happened. There's, uh, There were 60 passengers and you have to, you know, decipher what happened to each one of them and how they died. Mm. Um, so, for example, you pull up the, the journal and it tells you, you know, this person, you know, died from, uh, you know, a club, you know, uh, he was clubbed by this other person, um, you know, and, and that's it. Um, or this person mm. fell overboard, you know, during this particular period. Um, and so it's divided into seven different chapters. Um, and, you know, a lot of things, a lot of different things happen during those chapters. And, and again, I mean... A lot of it is just your own kind of deductive skills, you know, taking place. It's not a game that really holds your hand. But, you know, the saving grace is that for every three characters that you correctly decipher the fate, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it kind of tells you, okay, you did it. So you can just scratch those off. So you kind of Mm -hmm. use that to your advantage, you know, to make sure that, you know, you're kind of on the right track. Um, mm-hmm. And so eventually, you know, you get all 60 of them. Um, so it took me about eight hours to get the entire thing done. And it was a Not really bad. good experience. You know, I, I 
I found to I found it to be like a nice tight little game that you can knock out over a weekend and it makes you feel smart. It makes you feel like okay, mm-hmm. I'm I'm actually figuring this thing out and it's <laughs> almost like playing detective, you know. It's kind of like Batman but you're actually not given all the clues and stuff, you know. You're not given like that highlighted uh, you know, item, you know, and so you're just kind of going through the motions. You know, you actually have to really figure out what the connection is between one character and the other, who was the one that betrayed whom, you know, who actually shot whom. And and, and yeah. you have to actually replay it over and over again. You know, it's it's just a really cool meta level of gameplay that I really appreciate uh, Lucas Pope for doing that. Is it is it a game where you have to where it's getting you towards the right answer, or can you make the wrong answer and that sticks? Uh, no, no, you can't make the wrong answer. Like, um, okay. so if you don't have the right answer, the only thing that happens is that that's not counted as one of the three. So mm-hmm. you kind of have to do a process of elimination. So if like, you know, you just got three and they told you that these three are clear, then that means that this other one, you know, was not right because he wasn't mm-hmm. part of the three that were crossed off. So, yeah, right. you know, and sometimes it's really weird because like, you know, you see something happening to someone and it's not quite clear as to what happened. Um, and so you're like, okay, did he fall overboard or was he, <laughs> you know, accidentally shot by a cannon or was he accidentally i I don't know i don't want to spoil too much you know so accidentally shot by a cannon (laughs) oh trust me man i mean it gets it gets crazy spectacular accident yeah 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 no no. it it gets crazy like this i mean the thing is the ship the ship is is cursed you know it almost like becomes cursed because you know things happen and and a lot of bad things happen on the ship Uh, a lot of gruesome things happen on the ship um and uh yeah i mean it's not like you can make the wrong answer that that would have probably pissed me off jeff you know if you can make the wrong answer <laughs> and then you're like okay yeah. well then you're stuck with that but but it feels very fulfilling yeah. when at the end you know you see like the drawing of everyone on board and you figure it out what happened to everyone because it's like okay there's yeah. that degree of closure you know like this is this is what yeah. happened to the Oprah din and i was able to figure mm-hmm. this out that that there's a feeling of fulfillment That's cool. you know with that so um yeah, so, yeah I would. does it get easier as you go on because yeah. like if you're if you're slowly figuring out what happened to people then you have fewer and fewer choices as you go through the game right yeah it's almost like a crossword puzzle you know i mean mm-hmm. you know yeah. the, the more you eliminate you know people you know the the narrower the possibilities there are you know so yeah so you start kind of narrowing down what happened to whom so if you know that this person you know shot this other person you know or this person escaped um then you know you can just kind of cross them out you know and yeah. you know it's interesting because you kind of start learning the people and you're like oh yeah this is the fucker that you know like try to incite a mutiny or something <laughs> um you know so you know that they're up to no good you know so you kind of start deciphering the personal agendas of each character so you know who's likely to have done something um Mm. so again i mean it's very it's very cool because you kind of have to do your own kind of like note taking and stuff um so uh, you know it's almost like playing a timeline back and forth and by the end of it when you have kind of seen the whole thing you kind of have to replay things but now from the beginning since you saw everything from the end to the beginning and so you try to replay things from the beginning to the end and so um so it's almost like a rewind and fast forward so um yeah it's it's pretty cool man um would, I would you say would you say it's like it's unique have you ever played anything like no. it before because it sounds to me like i haven't played no, anything like no it no no yeah. no 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 i i have i have not played something like this i mean maybe back in the day like i think it takes a lot of influence from like the old adventure games you know where you had to yeah. like, like the text adventure games 
um you know but 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 it's not a text adventure game it's you actually have the user interface and everything but no it's it's very unique i'm very excited mm-hmm. for lucas pope i think he's doing some very amazing things you know i mean the guy actually has like a lot of experience in the industry i mean papers please i haven't played it but it did get a lot of recognition a lot uh, of i can i can vouch for it yeah yeah it's, it's good. a good game yeah. yeah yeah but you know but lucas pope actually before that he worked at Naughty Dog, and he's the one that created like the the graphical user interface for the tools for uh, creating Uncharted One and Uncharted Two. So mm-hmm. he actually was very integral in in making Uncharted happening because Naughty Dog had a lot of difficulties transitioning from the PS2 era to the PS3 development, um, mm-hmm. and so he was pretty critical in bringing Uncharted, you know, one and two, you know, and making that happen. So. Uh, you know, he actually lives full time in Japan. So, um, and he's mm. married to a Japanese and everything. So, um, he's just one of those auteurs. Let's just put that word out there. You know that I really am excited for what else he's gonna, uh, you know, do. So, uh, yeah, I would say, you know, I mean, it's not a very expensive game. It's probably like nineteen ninety nine, um, mm. or maybe twenty four ninety nine. But you can play it on PC. You can play it on Switch, PS four, Xbox yeah. One. So, it's out on all the big systems. So you can definitely try it. I'm assuming you played it on the Switch. No, I played it on the PS4. I played it on the PS4. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I the Switch for me. I mean, uh, and just a minor digression. Uh, I'm trying to just stick with Nintendo games there, and also, you know, like old school games that are not graphically taxing. Because I, you know, after being you know burned by uh, uh, Bloodstained, you know, and and having that inferior version, you know, I just realized I don't want to take the risk um, anymore of you know playing the inferior version of a game. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Like, who would have thought that the crappy version of Bloodstain would have such wide-reaching effect? <laughs> I'm pretty you know sure I'm I mean? not the like, only one. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one, to be honest. I mean, that that's the game that was like a wake-up call, you know, I think for me. That was like, okay, the Switch is great, but it's not the catch-all that, you know, I, I need. Um, so Interesting. Yeah. I know you love your Switch, like Paul, for a, so Yeah, I know for, like, for virtually any kind of 2D game, the Switch is the go-to for me. I never, I've never even considered the possibility that there would be an inferior version on the Switch of a mm. game of that nature. But like, wow, Bloodstained, man. Ladies and gentlemen. like, <laughs> See, that's what happened when you build an inferior version. You know, it has the consequences. <laughs> yeah. It's like the butterfly yeah. effect. I see you, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I heard because but... uh, yeah, I think same same things happen with a game I'm going to bring up. So uh, it's... Uh, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we... Jeff, sorry to interrupt you, but why don't we take a break and then when you come back and you start talking about the games you've been playing, you can jump into that. Jeff, why don't we continue? Yeah, sure. So this isn't the time or the place to start talking about that I finished another Yakuza game. I think that's a series <laughs> we kind of have sewn up in this in this podcast, right? I can see Ozzy. This, this is a no. This is a no. Uh, <laughs> okay, no, I'm joking. But I, I did complete Kiwami, which was great fun. I enjoyed yeah. that. 
But um, yeah, the game I wanted to bring up was Rhyme. Um, oh, nice. And the reason, oh, right on. And I wasn't not too sure if you guys have spoken about it in previous episodes. Uh, no, we haven't. Cool. No. no. Um, so yeah, I mean, the reason why I, 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 I kind of mentioned this game a little bit before the break was that it is quite apparently a notorious game for having quite a bad Switch conversion. Um, I know it's not a 2D game, but I think it's just another mm. little reminder that I, I personally try and always go for Switch because it's just, give, you know, the obvious thing, it gives you that portability if uh, you want to mm. take it on the go, obviously. Um, yeah. but, every, but now with Bloodstained and Rhyme, I'm always double checking to make sure the Switch version like actually performs. Yeah. Um, and I know it's not a PS4. I know it's not an Xbox. So it's like, I know it's not going to be the same level, but at least be playable. Um, mm. So yeah, through all this quarantining stuff, what I did was um, we're talking about going through a backlog. I'm the same as as Aussie. I, I I'm working eight nine hours a day. My gaming habits. I have to make. I've also had to create a separation. If it if it bleeds together, then my weekends turn into like a weird hybrid, and that's like yes. I don't want that. I want to make sure my weekend feels like a break. Um, so I've been getting a normal amount of out of gaming of hours uh, hours of gaming in. Um, but what I did was I've actually completed all my physical PS4 games, um, loads of retro games that I could I could still complete. But you know, who uh, who actually plays their retro games, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> so I found on my on, on my PS store because I do the whole with the, with the subscription. I go for games, but then um, don't actually download them because I don't have enough space on the hard drive. So I looked at okay, mm-hmm. what have I downloaded that I haven't played yet? And I found Rhyme on there, and Rhyme. Has gotten a really good reputation. Um, a couple of guys that I talked to uh, elsewhere are also saying, like, hey, look, you need to play this. It's good fun. Uh, it's very emotional. Mm-hmm. It kind of really engages, you know, the audience. Um, so I thought, you know what? I've got quite a bit of uh, time in the evenings now, so let's let's give Rhyme a go. And I really, really enjoyed it. Um, really, yep. I, I did emotionally engage. We, we did the episode, guys, on, uh, on about Life is Strange, and I said, like, I don't care about people jumping off a roof. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> but actually, with this, um, I kind of guessed halfway through where the story was going, um, mm-hmm. and it's not because I'm some sort of super sleuth like Ozzy, but because it, it kind of you can kind of tell where it is going to head towards. Um, so sure. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to make any, I'm not going to spoil anything here, but the the way that it it follows the character that you're controlling away. If it, you follow their progression through this Island that they've landed on, that they've uh, uh, Mm. washed up upon Um, when the game concludes and it kind of tells you very, not it's not too cryptic, but you kind of realize that each stage of the Island represents a certain emotion. Um, Mm. And it really makes you want to play it all over again because you suddenly realize what's going on what's gone on what's going on and you it, it gives different meaning to the world that that you've been put in and it took about i think about eight hours maybe 10 hours to complete because i'm quite thick with some puzzles it's not too bad yeah it's okay right yeah. um and yet the the so i think it's another game where um you've really got to just play it and you can't dip out and dip back in you've i think it's best if you play it in one go like i imagine like oprah din if you step away from it for a week you come back to it and you're probably thinking oh oh what, you're, what you're, you're completely lost now? yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely lost. yeah no and that's why that so, was one of the big uh you know motivators for me to just finish mm-hmm. it because i was like i don't want to forget all the connections that i built up in my head exactly um, because there's not like you know unless you started taking down notes 
Um, yeah. You know, there's not something that tells you, you know, I mean, if, if you're kind of deducting what happened, that's in your head, you know, it's not going exactly. to be relayed in some sort of notebook. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you do have to kind of go through the whole thing. And so with what what Rhyme does is it very deliberately, it doesn't give you any narration. It doesn't give you any speaking. It doesn't give you any written, uh, uh, you know, advice. So you're pretty much mm-hmm. just figuring it out all along you know, the whole way. And the game and the world itself is leading you down the path that it wants you to take. Very, I guess it's quite obvious at times, but very subtly at others. But what you end up doing is you end up kind of going down a path and the game kind of goes forward for you. But you realize, oh, but I could have turned left or right back there and now I've missed something. So it, 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 does, mm-hmm. it does kind of encourage you to go right next time you play it be a bit more careful and a bit more aware of your surroundings so the replay value yeah. is really high the uh, the yeah. the art style um is very it's very Gorgeous. kind of yeah it is stunning um and it's not doing it's not going overboard it's just a very mm-hmm. um it's a very consistent art style that it makes you it makes it a very comfortable world to be in um, and it's not something. It kind of reminds me a bit of Ico and a bit of Shadow of the Colossus in 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 some way. Although this looks a bit more cartoony, but it has that kind of scale mm-hmm. where you feel very small. Uh, but you, it's a very beautiful world. Um, so yeah, I I would say if you guys have been on the fence or have got it in a backlog, it's seven eight hours. It's it's quite emotional. It gets you going uh, towards the end. I won't be afraid to say that I definitely shed a couple of tears when the uh, credits were uh, rolling. Um, and it, yeah, it's, cool. I, yeah, it's got a lovely backstory with the, with the creator as well. Uh, really oh. lovely backstory. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem that I had with this game, I, I kind of had a predisposition towards this game because it came out around the time that, you know, every other indie game was some variation of like Journey, but with this. Um, right. And all of them were influenced by Shadow of the Colossus. And it's like, well, this is a very aesthetically pleasing game about the emotional turmoil of the character spoken without spoken words and i was just like i'm fed up with this shit already like everything was a variation <laughs> of, of journey um yeah so I'm, I'm i'm sorry to like shed on it but it's just like I, i'm pretty sure that it's a good game in its own right but it's the same thing with like abzu and with like uh gree and all these other indie games and it's just like guys like uh, i don't need another game that there are no words and it's all a variation of <laughs> like the character's inner turmoil yeah. um yeah. yeah so i don't know i mean sorry to be the the crank <laughs> no that's okay but but so so uh on that on that kind of theme so what i in general i try to play different types of games and genres one after the other um so when i played yakuza 0 i got was like my god this is incredible picked up kiwami put kiwami in after like an hour i'm like why am i doing this all over again and i've got to go back to zero (laughs) i've got to do this all again and i'm like you know what maybe later and it took me two and a half years to go back to kiwami when i could then enjoy it because i was like okay cool (laughs) i'm happy to build up kiryu again i'm happy to do all the grinding do all the fights i'm happy to because it's you gotta miss it you gotta miss it a little bit so maybe it's the same Aussie with these types of games where absolutely, if you play a lot of these games and they all came out at the same time, yeah, I can understand it. You kind of go, well, it's a bit like FPSs during the last generation. They came out every week. Ooh. There's only so many you can play. Um, yeah. But I would I would recommend this one um, just because of its 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 length. Um, it's it's not yeah. it does not overstay a welcome. Uh, but indeed, if 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 you if you're not into uh, silent silent stories, maybe uh, maybe not, eh? <laughs> 
No, I mean, <laughs> look, I mean, and that's what I appreciated about a game like uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, you know, a game mm. that I think I've spoken about in the past, but it's a, mm. it's a very tight little game. You can play it through in a couple of hours, and it doesn't just fall on the trope of like, you know, this is all about the character's inner growth. Um, it, it's more about, you know, tying all these characters together and trying to... Again, like Oberdin, I actually realized that that game, you know, and Oberdin are very similar in that sense. You know, it's just kind of like figuring out what happened to them and and how they all dealt with this particular issue. And, you know, I felt like that was an elegant way of going about it, whereas I felt like a lot of the games around that time were just like, okay, well, uh, man, Journey was a life-changing experience, you know, let's do that. Um, So... You know, Journey was fantastic, you know, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I don't want all of my games to just be Journey with, you know, X variation. Yeah, so I would... Yeah, I, I, mean, I, think I, I mean, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I got my copy from Anthony, actually, <laughs> last time I was in New York, um, and I popped it in for, I mean, I want to say like two or three hours, and I was loving it, but... I have the attention span of like a goldfish, so <laughs> I moved on to something else. But I've been thinking about it now. Hearing Jeff talk about it, I'm sort of remembering how much I enjoyed it, and knowing that it's not even that long. Because I think that was my sort of concern that I was like, I don't want to get sucked into this if it's going to be like 15 hours. But if it's eight yeah. or ten, then yeah, I'll definitely go back and and finish it up sooner rather than later. Okay, so Jeff, like with regards to rhyme, then like. Would how much a game is there in there? Like, is there any kind of is it a game that you that they force you to experience? So there's not very much challenge, or is there very much mm. to be conquered there? Yeah, because that was something I was thinking. Like, I hadn't really told you guys what the actual gameplay really was. Uh, it's a lot of puzzle solving, essentially uh, action platforming with mostly puzzle solving. That's what you're doing most of the time. You're trying to always make those forward steps in each area yeah um and as i said it doesn't tell you where to go next it's all very much using visual clues to tell you what you need to do but it's it's mostly puzzles um i got stuck by two or three um they get quite abstract they get quite like you kind of just have to keep trial and erroring all the different elements of the of the of the environment you can interact with and sooner or later yeah. you realize what you need to do um but nothing too too challenging what i did find it it does the whole thing of here's collectibles or here's secrets that you need to find and there's four per area and then there's these memories you need to unlock and blah 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 um and i found a fraction of them so if you're someone who loves to kind of complete games there's plenty there to kind of go back to and to find secrets and to really kind of you look at the environment try and look at it in different ways um so that's that's kind of like the core gameplay mechanics Right on, man. Well, that sounds, you know, I have to be honest with you, probably not one that I'm going to play, but for what yep. it's worth, it sounds like it's kind of top tier. So what else? Yeah, so um, the other one I wanted to bring up, so I recently have just been diving back into my PS2, um, and I decided to com- uh, go through Zone of the Enders 1 and 2. Um, nice, hey. nice, 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 nice. I picked up uh, two ooh, a couple of years ago and then didn't end up playing it. Part of my massive retro collection that doesn't get touched. Um, <laughs> but I thought, you know, I'm joking, by the way, guys, all you listeners, I play what I show on Instagram. I do play. I do. Play. Um, so I thought, well, I got the feeling I'm not just going to jump into uh, Second Runner. I've got to go back and play the original because I hadn't played the original since it since it came out. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, gosh, that first game, 
Um, I'm glad it's short. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> yeah, the first game is not very good at all. No. It, it does some really interesting things. The, like the movement of the of the uh, of Jehuti is is still top draw when it comes to a PS2 game. It's still really yeah. it moves beautifully. Um, it's just but it feels like terrible. an unfinished game. Yeah, it does. It's a bit of a kind of tech demo slash very much unfinished game, and that's why I'm really glad that Second Runner is as good as it is. Um, mm-hmm. I think that I mean the the bad side is the terrible voice acting and anime and storyline and uh, characters <laughs> and all the stuff around the is gameplay. Is that really a uh, negative? Come on, though? I was just about to say that sounds like the best part. <laughs> I know exactly. That, that come, just makes it more yeah. appealing. Exactly. I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel that way at all. I mean, Dingo Listen. Egret, that's like the best name ever. Right next to John yeah. Blake McLean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, so yeah, it's it's got Kojima ri- written all over it. It barely makes any sense. Uh, I played games back to back and I was still like, I'm not 100% sure really what I'm, what's actually happening in on Mars and Jupiter and Uranus or wherever it is it's meant to be. Um, and I, I guess, you know, I, I love... I do love anime. I do love that side of things, but I really, it really grates. And I brought this up before when you get really bad voice acting, it just really detracts to me from like being engaged in the game. And it's, it's stuff like you've got English voice actors who are doing these and they got a script and I'm not going to do an impersonation of what they're saying, but it's stuff like they're, they're <laughs> oh, saying, oh. we know, no, but they, we would say, you know, God, God damn it, Jehuti! We are here right now, and it's just like, what? That's who's reading the script and going. No one says we are. No, we just say we're. Come on, like this is how people talk. So it's it's those things. I was thinking, oh god, this is going to be a long one. But thankfully, thankfully, that game is like ninety nine percent gameplay, and it's solid, and it's fun, and yeah. it's. It's engrossing, and I apps apart. You know, one other dis- detraction was the slightly drab environments, but mm. the act- the gameplay itself, I thought, was, is is still one of the, probably the, one of the best mecha games I've ever played. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I would agree with that. I mean, the the the, the gameplay is so tight, man. I mean, yeah. it's so fast. It's even impressive that this was done on the PS2. I mean, there was a massive amount yes. of slowdown on the PS2, yep. but but it was so. It felt so smooth to play that, you know, with that Yehuti, and it, it always made you feel like mm-hmm. you were in the middle of an action movie. Um, yeah, it really yeah. did capture that feeling. Um, and the fact that you could beat it in six hours, I mean, I, I beat it in one sitting. That's probably one of the few games wow. I've actually beat it in one sitting. Yeah. Nice. Is the, uh, is the PS3 collection worth playing, or just go for it on PS2? I would say play the PS3 one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, good, good, because I got it. So, <laughs> has anyone played the has anyone played the PS the, the VR version? Yeah, yeah, actually, I have. Um, I'll be honest with you, the VR doesn't really add a heck of a lot. Okay. it's just kind of like it's just kind of the same thing, but in VR. So you know, if you're like for me playing on the big screen, it, it was like whatever, right? I'll just put the helmet down because it's kind of cumbersome. Um, but mm-hmm. I can tell you, man, I think that isn't the PS4 version basically just kind of a remake of uh, I didn't get too far into it, but isn't it just a remake of part two? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 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 No, I can I can highly recommend it, man. I don't I don't I mean, if you have the PS3 collection, then I don't know what the difference is, but I can definitely recommend the PS4 one, man. Like it is cool. a really good mecha game. It's so good that I played it once and never went back to it. 
but <laughs> I look at it on my shelf and I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you playing this game right now? <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's me. All right, well, let's take a quick break then. And uh, when we come back, Anthony's going to tell us what he's been playing. Okay, we're back. Anthony, yeah, you're up. Um, man, it's been it's been weird because like I think I'm, along with Ozzy, man, I've been <laughs> home and it's like working from home. But I'm really working. I don't like this. I just yeah. <laughs> and also, you have all this yeah. beer and liquor and stuff yeah. that you can take advantage yeah, you know, of. It's weird too because it's like there's been days these past few weeks that I haven't drank anything, and that's weird. I'm just like, wait a minute, I'm home. I should be drinking. Oh no. I should be, how are you gonna keep your sickness up? Right, oh, man. <laughs> Got to get this COVID. But uh, <laughs> oh man! But I no, hear it's all the race nowadays. <laughs> Everybody's doing it. So, so spring breakers, you know, that's what they're all joining. You know, <laughs> nah, but I've um, it's funny. I just, I just been like, you know, during the pockets of time I get, um, I so the Streets of Rage Four hype machine is rolling along right now, right? Like mm, everybody's yeah. getting those pre-orders in. Yeah. And me, me the the whore I am now succumb to limited <laughs> limited run games. I succumb to them, man. I did it. My first. Oh yeah. I did, had to. Oh, but, uh, You're so basic, Anthony. I know. Oh, the, first, I know. the first hit is free, my friend. My, the first my hit is free. My cherry is popped. <laughs> so I uh, so you know I pre-ordered that one. So then I went back and I just started playing Streets of Rage three, which I always felt was. Just not. I didn't like it when I first played it. I never, I never liked that game because two, yeah. two was just so good. And then I thought three. Oh, I started playing three. You know, here I am. All these years later, I'm like, nah, I don't like this game. I still don't like this game. So I, so I started playing Streets of Rage two, and I'm like, yeah, this is perfect. This is it right here. Which then led me down a rabbit hole because then I was like, yo, Final Fight. Yeah, let me throw on a Final Fight game, you know? <laughs> so I, I threw on Final Fight 2, Final Fight 3. Forget about Final Fight 1. I'm not even bothering with that one. No, no. Final Fight 2, Final Fight 3. And you play Final Fight 2, Final Fight 3, and you're like looking at the, the Super NES graphics, and you're like, wow, it's such big, detailed guys, right? But yeah. not as fun to play as Streets of Rage 2 was. You know, still, Streets of Rage 2, to me, still is the best in the series, you know? Hoping the that gold four, standard, man. yeah, I'm hoping four is like great. I really hope four is great, but that's the standard right there. Streets of Rage two, and then um, I don't know how you top. Uh, I don't know how you top two. I, I would I would love yeah. to see what they do with four. Like I'm I'm optimistic. Yeah, but like, yeah. You know, I you really, know one, yeah, one of the man. things one of the things that I always forget about Streets of Rage two is how it just suddenly goes into like an alien storyline. Like there's a part of my brain <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that just completely <laughs> misses that. Every single time. So listen, you gotta have aliens and uh, brawlers. That was like, that was so of the yeah. time, though. Like adding was, aliens to anything yeah. was like the key. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, um, yeah. So I was playing. I was playing some of that. Just having some fun with it, man. Um, I did start playing uh, Grim Fandango. Four dollars and fifty cents. 
Can't beat that. Man. Nice. Can't beat that. So, what do you think? Greatest game of all time? <laughs> no, not at all. Better than StarCraft? <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I um, I'm a, I'm a ha- it's fun. I'm having fun with the di- the dialogue. The you know, mm-hmm. you guys went over it on the battle episode. All that stuff is so good, right? But yet, quite a quite a grind. Like, I just don't yeah. really feel like going up to every single person. And I, and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm like all like ocd about this i have to ask every single question oh <laughs> yeah. god yeah you no know, i just have to time. i just have to i'm like oh come on i need i need to talk i need to talk to somebody That's what somebody isolated. wrote this line i need to hear right it. I'm, you know so i'm going through that man i even i got stuck in the beginning not knowing what to do and i'm just like <laughs> i had to like backtrack but still but yeah man it was good to pl- finally play it because after you guys recorded that episode i mm. wanted to play this game i kept saying on the chats oh i gotta play this game and Four dollars yeah. and fifty cents, man. You know me. Four dollars and fifty cents. I'll play that game for fifteen minutes, and if I never go back to it again, I'm like, oh, I got my money's worth. I'm good. Got your money's worth. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> um, but a lot of my time has been, and this is a thing I had. We had I brought up on one of our chats is that uh, I'm I'm finally being able to play some of my sports games, and I yep. haven't had nice. a chance to play any sports games in years because it's like. When am I ever home? Well, guess what? I'm home now, you know? <laughs> and uh, I picked up MLB The Show 20. And I am having such a blast playing that game. I, I'm, I'm like 20, 30 games in my season right now. Like, that's Damn. how much of that game I've been playing. It's so much fun, man. It's How are the Yankees doing? How you doing? Dude, I'm like 23 and something. I'm good. Bullshit. I'm good. But, yeah, Come on, man. It's realistic, I swear. <laughs> You know what's crazy though is that um, it's got these cool. I've been playing around with the modes and stuff, so they got this uh, classic mode, and I know they mm-hmm. implemented this a few years ago, but I was just the first time I'm messing around with it, and it's basically it just makes the game a 16-bit arcade game. That's so awesome. you just what? yeah, wow. so even even the view, the graphics, everything's just very 16-bit basic. <laughs> you're hitting, you're swinging, and I'm just like. Wow, I never I forgot how hard 16-bit games were. Basically <laughs> to field to catch anything. Yo, to, right? They made it like perfectly 16-bit. It's like if it's like playing Ken Griffey Jr. baseball yeah. Super NES. This is what wow. the classic mode is. So it's it's kind of cool to have that feature in there. Um very realistic yeah, I mean, though, the, when I What's that? But the, the thing no, the thing with me and MLB the show is that now it's gotten so realistic that I am absolutely dreadful at it. Because the thing is, you know, I'm so used to the old school games where you basically just have to like swing. But in this games, yeah. you know, you basically have to see where the ball is going. You have to track the ball. And with, uh, you know, the joystick, you have to kind of point at where the ball is going in order to square it. Um, and mm-hmm. the thing is, I am terribly impatient. And so I just swing at everything, even if it's just outside the zone. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, that, that's that's the thing too. That, that that's so that just means of... I'm a good Cuban player. That that, that just right. means that I'm the traditional Cuban player. We just swing at everything. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> nah, but that's a good thing about the game. Like it definitely has you. You can put it on any kind of mechanic you want. You can put it on just regular swinging. You could get more realistic, like you were just describing, where yeah. you gotta place the ball and everything. Mm. Um, that's kind of what always uh, turns me off about baseball games in a way. Video games only because I don't want to be that detailed in my hitting and everything. Mm-hmm. However, they've done such a good job with this game that it actually it's actually fun doing those things. So doing yeah. like the placing the hits and swinging the, but you don't have to play it that way. But it's still cool. Like for me personally, yeah, I'm enjoying the sim factor of it. It's um and like you said, Ozzy, very realistic looking man. It's if I was playing in Houston and you could hear the trash cans banging. 
Very, very well done. Very well done. Did you uh, did you play through the road to the show mode? Nah, I can't do all that, man. I need a life. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Road to the show is that like is that like a story a storyline? Yeah, pretty much. Wow, that is Jeff. It's, Jeff looks that disgusted. sounds really cool. It sounds and cool, but also. It sounds so uninteresting, too, because, like, <laughs> when you compare it to NBA 2K, like, the story mode is, like, I rose up from nothing, my yeah. dad left me, he went to jail, and in baseball, it's like, well, my parents are very well off, and uh, they really, you know, they gave me a leg up, and I'm really trying to take advantage of my white privilege, right? Like, that's that's how it sounds to that's me. That's the realism in it all. That is exactly yeah. how it is. That is you no, know, I think, and that's one of the things that I wish MLB did better, I mean, that it did adopt that NBA 2K approach to storytelling, where you actually have a narrative. Road mm-hmm. to the show, I remember, the last time I played it was, like, back in, like, MLB The Show 11 or something like that, so it's been a while, um, and I just played, like, a left fielder or something like that, and the way it works is that you only play when things actually happen, so if, like, a ball get hits your way that, you know, you kind of go to that particular point in the game, um, but it's just, you're going mm-hmm. through, like, the minor leagues, man, I mean, you're playing as, like, I don't know, the Tuscaloosa whatever, um, and it's massively <laughs> yeah. uninteresting, um, yeah, and yeah. then you're like, okay, if you play maybe like 360 more games, then you might might get a shot at playing with the Tampa Bay Rays. You know? So I I don't know. I, I just didn't yeah, have the is, time for it. That is the other thing is like, at least in the basketball game, you play what, 72 games a season or something? Like these baseball uh, simulators, I ain't trying yeah. to play like 140 games. No, no, but that's the thing. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think, I, I mean, that's a, that's a good thing about the game is that they, yeah. they've given you so many options. So, you can play. Oh, you can like modify. You it. can modify all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh, right? Me personally, nobody's playing 160. Games. Yeah. Nah, me personally, <laughs> I'm jumping in. I want to play my baseball season. That's it. I don't want to yeah. do the GM stuff. I don't want to do create a player. <laughs> I don't want to do any of that stuff. Just let me just get to the field, play the games, and that's what I've been having fun doing. It's it's really I haven't like I said I haven't really had time to play a game like this before, and my kids are just always you know they're like they're just they're just always in my face, man. I. I <laughs> Man, I just, this is the only time I get to play something where they don't bother me. <laughs> has it has it also been because, like, there's just no sport going on right now that you kind of like, well, right, I, need, I, need, I need a sport fix? It's funny, oh, too, hey. because originally, like, when I started playing this game, I thought, yo, is it because there's really no sports to watch right now? Like, there's nothing. <laughs> so this is it. My baseball season didn't get delayed, man. I'm good. I'm playing. <laughs> Shit. Aaron. Man, I hadn't even I hadn't even considered that. That's a really good yeah. point, Jeff. Why aren't you playing any football games? Because all the all the old games are on YouTube, so I just go to YouTube and watch it. Watch it when my team <laughs> used to win things. Oh man, yeah. They have you know it's funny because on TV, all they're doing on ESPN, everything they're just replaying Classic. old stuff, and I'm yeah. just like yeah. I'm like I what the what the fuck is the point of that, man? Like <laughs> oh no, you know well, it's happened. funny because they used to have I. They must still have it, but there was a channel called ESPN Classic where that's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things is maybe they should do like a top 10 of like how players are dealing with the coronavirus. Oh. It's like, you know, this this player like hoarded so many pieces of toilet paper or this player finally started using a bidet. You know, that's that's a top five play right there. <laughs> that's, that's, the sim- that's the simulation game I want to play. Costco 2020. <laughs> well jeff what you should do is you should go on you should go on twitch and look up some fifa tournaments happening right now i'm sure there's plenty oh Yo. without 
without getting into too much of a digression, I mean, uh, I saw that the NASCAR drivers are actually playing NASCAR online and it's being broadcast by ESPN. Hell yeah. You know, which I think that's honestly what we should be doing is having all the teams, yeah. you know, start playing the, the you know, games and that's, we're that's just yeah, broadcasting right. it. That's just esports. Come on. I mean, just make the yeah. transition already. Um, eventually, I'm sure yeah, LeBron's we- kids could tell him how to play 2K20 or something. But you know Absolutely. what? It'd be even more interesting if they started playing like Mutant Football League, you know, instead of like that. <laughs> <Yes. football game. laughs> so, um, yeah, that would be I- I'd pay for that. Half oh. the fun for me would be like because they're obviously going to have the camera on the player as they're playing. Yeah. And half the fun for me would be watching Giannis's like gigantic hands. Holding Try to hold a controller. controller. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. They have to give him like a Duke, at least a Duke controller. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. And so, anything else? Um, other than that, no. That's pretty much it. You know, it's funny. I was actually I was playing some. Um, talk about a throwback, man. I was playing some NHL '94, and wow, man, I was the goat. Yo, I was telling Jeff, right? I, th- I think I was talking to Jeff about him. Like that game made. Even if you didn't follow hockey, you were a fan of hockey playing that game. So much <laughs> yeah. fun. Yeah, man. exactly. It still, it still holds up so damn good, man. Mm-hmm. Like. Just so much fun. Yeah. No, sometimes there's sometimes there's a special point in history where they just nail it. Yeah. And <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't like it wasn't the first time. Like there was NHL and NHL ninety three before that. So yeah. it's not like it's not like Street Fighter two where it was just like bang, right. we just created this perfect game out of nowhere. Um but yeah, like ninety four was just like just such a beautiful balance of like simplicity and arcade style. And yet, you know, you still get to play with all your favorite players and, mm-hmm. and all that. It's uh, oh, good times. God. You don't even hear about the the ones after that. Like you, everyone's forgets yeah. there was a, like there was a ninety five, there was a ninety six. I'm like, no, ninety four. No, no one ever no. talks. <laughs> I did, you know, I did play ninety six a lot. Oh my god, ninety six. If I can just take a second here, mm. I used to play ninety six with my cousin, and he could never beat me. <laughs> and the reason he could never beat me, and I knew it, was because he kept picking Boston because his favorite player was Ray Bork. Uh-huh. And so he would have Ray Bork carry the puck all the way up the ice. Uh-huh. You know, he would do his thing. Sometimes he'd score. Most of the time he wouldn't. Yeah. And because he used Ray Bork, the system doesn't compensate. Like, it doesn't have a forward cover your defenseman. Yeah. It just means that four of his players were up the ice, and I constantly <laughs> had three-on-one breakaways. And so I would just score, like, it, it was... And I was merciless, too. And eventually I'd be... I was like, dude, like, okay, I can't tell you why you're losing, but I can tell you there is a specific reason if you're willing to look for it. And that actually made things worse. Like, that just infuriated him even more, because then he knew there was, like, a reason, and he couldn't figure it out, and... We eventually had to just stop playing it and go to Streets of Rage 2 again because it was just horrendous. Anyway. All right, guys. Let's take another break here. Uh, When we come back, Arnie, you're up. Woo! All 
All right, everyone, we're back. Arnie, what have you been playing? Oh, all right. Um, it's interesting because unlike Jeff and 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 Ozzy, I have tried very hard my entire adult life to work as little as possible, um, <laughs> so that when something like this happens, I'm prepared. Um, I I started working from home like a year ago full time, and so this transition like it hasn't been super easy because i did like go out and do stuff but it's been a lot easier on me i think than a lot of other people um so i've had a lot more time to play just in general um yeah especially since i don't have to travel now which is a big a big part of my regular job um but so the main thing i was playing the main thing i want to talk about is wargroove i finally played wargroove played it all the way through um took me about a week playing it off and on um and i gotta say like overall highly recommend very enjoyable like super entertaining the entire way through advanced wars this is not um and the Mm. devil is really in the details on this one like in the overall scheme of things it's definitely similar enough that like if you haven't played a ton of advanced wars you're like oh yeah this is totally the same thing but there are like little little details that the longer i played it I had to sort of adjust myself to playing Wargroove and not being like, this is what I do in Advanced Wars, because it, it doesn't yeah. work the same. Um, but no, it's it was I was very surprised. Um, I expected it to be good. I didn't expect it to be as entertaining as it was, especially with the characters. Like My favorite part of Advanced Wars has always been the different commanders you get, their personalities, how they sort of weave into each other and the larger story. And this had that in spades. Like, I yeah. like all the characters, even the bad ones, um, especially Caesar, the general dog, favorite character. Oh, oh all hail Caesar. <laughs> I love that dog. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's very enjoyable. I think the other thing I liked is that they're releasing, they haven't released it on PS4, but it's available on every other system. They've released like a brand new campaign for free. Um, and it's co-op and it's got like a Good. brand new faction, three new commanders, like it's a whole thing. Cool. So they've done really good job of like keeping the content coming. Um, I will say the one thing I was talking to this, I was talking to Paul about this. The one thing that I didn't like is you are, everything you unlock is based on star grades that you get based on your performance in battles. And so you can get yeah. them from the campaign battles. You can get them from, they have like these little puzzle battles where you have to like achieve a certain objective in a single turn. And they just give you like a preset amount of units to do that. Um, and they have arcade modes for every single commander. So it's like their little individual story. But, you know, I was playing through the whole game, getting, like, decent rankings throughout. And then when I finished the game, I had, like, I don't know, 80-something stars. Because I had done some puzzles and some arcade stuff. And then it's, like, the game ends on, like, a nothing ending. It's, like, this is the ending to this game? Like, that's really weird. And then you go through the credits. Insanely long credits for, like, an indie game. I was, like, this is, like, longer credits than Yakuza games. Like, I don't know who worked on this. Um, but then it's like, oh, here's an epilogue, but you need a hundred stars to like watch it. And I was like, all right, this, I know this is some, it was, (laughs) it was a kick in the nuts, man. Because some of those stars are not easy. I know there were some levels where I got a C grade and I'm like, how on earth do I get a B grade (laughs) on this level? 
like honestly and then there were some levels where i got an s yeah and i, and I have like, no idea how i did that no idea how yeah um so it really is like by the time you're finished with it i was ready to like i was satisfied so the yes. fact that you need to do a little bit more to see the actual ending to this game like put me off a little bit towards the end but i'd still recommend picking it up i'm sure given a little bit of distance between having played it like maybe a week or two from now i'll pick it back up get those last few stars and finally see the ending to this game but that was a little bit of a kick in the nuts um i mean after uh, putting uh, that much time into it mm-hmm. arnie i mean one of the things i mean well jeff you oh, go yeah, ahead. No, but i was gonna ask uh, what kind of length of time mm-hmm. then how, how many missions is there in there then there's a decent amount of missions um, because there's main story missions and then there's branching side missions. The side missions are basically there to unlock things for other modes, like to unlock commanders for arcade okay. mode or like codex stuff, like lore based stuff. Um, I would say I don't think I put in maybe like 15 to 20 hours. Does that sound right to you, Paul? Yeah, I think I put 20 to 25, maybe, maybe yeah. a little over 25, okay, but I did... Good. But I did, like, all the missions, I did all the side missions, and I also finished arcade mode with Caesar, Mm because, like, you know... (laughs) Because you gotta. Because he's the the dog general, like, I have to (laughs) play with him as much as possible. Um, He loves belly rubs, by the way, I don't know if if you guys knew that. (laughs) So if you're just But yeah, that's that's about the length. Yeah, if you're just doing the campaign, it's probably 20, 25 hours. If you're doing everything, I could easily see, like, 40 plus, easy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then with the new everything. campaign that's coming out, like I can imagine that probably adds at least five, ten more hours if it's a whole new thing with like three new generals and doing their arcade stuff and all that. Well, I was gonna so say, there, I, there's think, content uh, there. I was gonna say, Go Arnie. I mean, I guess one of the things that really frustrates me is that there have been some developers that have tried to recapture the Advance Wars feel in the wake of Intelligent Systems, just not focusing on it. And with yeah. Wargroove, I'm kind of like, well, if you want to emulate Advanced Wars, why are you making it a fantasy setting that's more like Fire Emblem? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it, it just feels weird to me. But the other part that's frustrating is that, you know, with Tiny Metal, which was the other Advanced Wars-like game, there was mm-hmm. the whole controversy about the fact that they used some of the funds from developing this Final Fantasy tactic spiritual successor on Kickstarter to fund yeah. that game and it was very very sketchy and that completely put me off from that game and then with Wargroove Wargroove was developed by Shucklefish and there was this huge mm-hmm. controversy with Shucklefish essentially like using uncredited assets and work from like developers in order to create Starbound and so I'm not one to you know kind of put a lot of stock into whether a developer is kind of an asshole mm-hmm. But I also don't want to support a developer that's basically taking yeah. advantage of other people. And so, you know, I just kind of felt like I I really want to play this game, but I don't want to support a, a scumbag developer. I did not know about the whole controversy. Um, if it makes you feel any better, I bought it on sale at GameStop and I used a $5 coupon <laughs> off a $15 game. So they're getting Definitely my pennies on the dollar better. right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it, yeah, I... I honestly, like, I kind of want to read into that now because I had no idea. And I don't know, why is it that every Advance War, like, game has to be cursed? Like, why can't it just be, <laughs> like, nice people making nice games about murdering other people? <laughs> it's um, the Advance Wars course, man. I mean, Intelligent System cursed that franchise. <laughs> maybe it's because Advance Wars 1 was supposed to come out on, like, 9-11 and it's had bad juju ever since then. Maybe know, it right? is. It's like, a, yeah, who knows? I don't know. 
But I will say one thing you did say, like the the setting, that was like something that when I initially saw this game, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I like this very much. Um, but it kind of grew on me. I I think that they do enough to make it sort of distinct from both. Like, writing that line of, like, not being Fire Emblem and not being Advance Wars when you're trying to be, like, a 2D turn-based strategy RPG that's, like, very colorful and stuff, I think is hard. Um, And so I think they took a little from column A and a little from column B and tried to split the difference. Um, And they do, I mean, they do a decent job of it. They do, like, a good job at at making mechanically it, making it mechanically distinct from both, like... I think and the, and if you play a lot of either, I think coming into this is like rough in the beginning because you have to get used to like all these little nuances that you don't that you're like so used to skipping in your mind because it's not part of the game you're used to playing. Uh, I think the biggest one for me, and I don't know if Paul can speak to this, but was capturing buildings and knowing that buildings can hurt me now was like yeah. insanity to me. I was like, what is this? But you know what, man? I thought I thought it was great. Yeah. And I'll tell you and I'll and I'll build on that too. I thought virtually all the changes they made from Advance Wars were all great. Mm-hmm. Like it completely it almost completely eliminates that that number one problem with Advance Wars, which is that in Advance Wars you know when you've won. Mm-hmm. But you can't actually win until you do a whole bunch more stuff. So, yeah. like, you've got this 20 minutes of time on the map where you're just kind of, like, wrapping things up, even yep. though you know you've already won. And in Wargroove, they they really cleverly just completely eliminated that because you have two routes to victory. Like, you yep. can kill the enemy headquarters or kill the enemy general. Mm-hmm. And none of those things take very long, especially killing the enemy general. Yeah. So, like... In Wargroove, you will hit a point on each map where you know you've won, but then you've wrapped it up two minutes later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not it's not like Advance Wars in that way. Advance Wars was a little bit of a grind in that regard. Yeah. And yeah, I thought that was I thought that was great. Honestly, I thought almost all the changes and ideas they implemented in Wargroove were were spot on. Mm-hmm. And it's loaded, loaded with charm. One of the criticisms that I've yeah. heard from the game is that it's very grindy. I mm-hmm. mean, is that a fair assessment? It's, I think it's grindy if, like, to get, like I said, like, stuff like the epilogue, and if you want to get the extras, like, if you want to get the extra music and the, like, uh, um, what do they call it, like, the gallery, like, the artwork and stuff like that, that stuff is super grindy. Um, arcade mode is also seems kind of grindy to me, because even though each general sort of has their own story, quote-unquote, um you're doing sort of the same things over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, yeah. So yeah. in that sense, yeah, it does get really tiresome, but I could see this being a game that once you finish the story, you sort of come back to sporadically in between other games. Like, I don't think this is a game that you're meant to sort of mainline until you get everything. Yeah. And there's no, and there's no progression between levels. So you're not grinding because a level is too difficult to pass. Yeah you're either going to beat it or you're not right there's no way to prepare beforehand yeah well, and good. one thing one one uh one change that i did like is they let you save at any point during any map um yes without like advanced wars would let you do it but it, then it'd be like oh you're suspending your game like you want to leave now and i'm like no i want to save this and keep playing in case i die um they wouldn't yeah. let you do that this game does yeah 
no, there's I, I thought there were a whole bunch of really really cool changes in there, man. I'm I'm all for it. It's it's not very long and it's very like I said, it's very charming and mechanically I thought it was just I thought it was spot on, man. Yeah. Um aside from that, uh I'm not gonna spend too much time on either of these other two, but I've been playing Judgment um for my Yakuza fix. <laughs> um I like it. I like it. Um it's I think you know, it keeps all the little minutia that I enjoy, like going and playing in the arcade and like going out and drinking and fighting people on the street. But it also <laughs> like the story, I, I, I'm I enjoying the story a little bit more than like some of the other Yakuza games I've played. Not all of them. I think Zero is probably still my favorite. Um, but I think I'm just primed for a good like detective story. And so having that in my yakuza game it's like oh you got peanut butter in my chocolate oh no you got chocolate in my peanut butter sort of thing like yeah yeah it's just enjoyable <laughs> um so that's one i've been plugging away at and then the other one i've i picked up recently is uh persona the original persona on the psp um which i forgot how loud like my psp is um <laughs> just playing that game every yeah, time I like know, something yeah. needs to load it's like and I'm like, are you are you okay? Like, <laughs> I know, me too, man. I've just been playing with mine like the past, I don't know, four evenings. I've been playing Jean d'Arc. Yeah. And I'm like, motherfucker, I forgot how loud this P- PSP is. Like, it sounds like it's grinding the disc in there. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah, man. yeah. Um, but that one's, I mean, you get what you get with the original. Like, when you're going back this far, it's not going to, you're not going to get what you have with Persona 5 or Persona 4. But it's, I mean, it's enjoyable in its own right. Um, you know, getting frustrated at trying to negotiate with demons that don't want to talk to me. <laughs> um, oh. but no, that one's been that one's been cool. Other than that, you know, just been just been dipping and diving, man. Is uh, is PSP Persona like super difficult? Not really, honestly. Like I was, I don't know why, because I picked it up before and I played a little bit and I dropped it, and I was expecting it to be really hard. Um, but so far I've had no problems that I will say though, the encounter rate is insane. Like (laughs) so unbelievably annoying, like how many battles you will run into constantly. Um, but other than that, it's, you know, it's not, it's not any harder than any other persona game I would say. Yeah. It's been, it's been sitting on my shelf for a long time. The, uh, the PSP persona, I'm not at the point any longer where I'm interested in the PS1 version, uh, you know, for various reasons. So the PSP one is sitting there and I'm like, when am I going to play that? When am I going to play that? Because I have to eventually. Um, But yeah, dude, high encounter rate. You're not selling me on it. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not the the funnest part of that game, I will say. Yeah. Um, And also, like, they changed... They, like, made it really weird, like... Well, I guess they didn't make it. It was really weird, and they just, like, continued the weirdness. Where the way that you get Personas is, like, you negotiate with them, and they have, like, four different uh, attributes. So one is happiness, eagerness, anger, and fear. And each of your party members... You got, like, five party members. Each of them has, like, four different things that you can tell this Persona... So what's that? Like 20 different conversation options. And each of those oh. options, like there's probably like two of the 20 that will do what you want because eagerness is the only one that will get you the persona's card, which is essentially capturing them. Everything else yeah, is yeah. like happiness will get you an item. Anger will get you 
get your ass kicked or nothing will happen and scaredness will just probably make them run away. Um, and so it's a lot of like, let me try this guy's thing. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, let me try this guy's thing. And then like pissing them off and then not being able to talk to them, beating them and then finding them again and then doing the same thing. And then you can't even fuse them until you find the velvet room, which like you don't find until like five hours into the game, something like, Oh wow. Yeah. It's like you go through with like your basic persona for a while. Um, but all of your guys can use more than one persona. Like each of them can use up to three. So there's a lot more mixing and matching than in regular persona. Cool, man. Well, I think on that note, we'll take another break, yeah? Yep. And then I'll have one game to share because we're running a little bit long. So we'll be back in a moment. everyone we're back and uh to make things quick i'll talk about the one game that has kind of consumed my life for the past i don't know a couple months or something like that and i I mentioned on the show once before very very briefly but factorio on pc is is absolutely bonkers it's not like anything (laughs) i've ever played before um my wife actually got it for me for my birthday back in january Mm-hmm. which is great for several reasons one is that the game never goes on sale on steam it's like the one game and i won't <laughs> buy a game on steam unless it's on sale so factorio has been sitting on my wish list for like two years yeah i'm pretty and, sure you get uh, put on a list if you buy a game on steam that's not on sale like i'm pretty sure that's not allowed <laughs> yeah like or maybe they or maybe they think of you as a whale like those <laughs> you know the guy from macau who shows up at the casino with you know <laughs> and they treat him really well <laughs> So yeah, like, so it was a great gift to get because I was never going to buy it unless it was mm. on sale, even though I desperately wanted it. And uh, and it's guilt-free playing yeah. because this is the birthday gift. So every time my <laughs> wife sees me playing it, which is all the fucking time, she's happy because the birthday gift was successful and yeah. I, I don't have any guilt about playing the game. It's good, yeah. good Do you times. see how much I love you? Look at how yeah. many hours I'm playing this game. <laughs> so yeah, just to give you guys like a quick kind of overview of it Mm. it's i don't even know i can't even define it by genre it's like part you know sim city part minecraft you know basically what you're doing is you start off the game you've been abandoned on a planet by yourself and you have to start like digging for like in minecraft you start Mm -hmm. digging for materials and but unlike minecraft the point of the game is not to dig for materials the point of the game is to automate as much as possible and to develop your tech tree and then eventually build a rocket so that you can escape the planet ah i see yeah so you know you dig for you dig for a little bit of iron you dig for a little bit of copper a little bit of coal and you build a furnace you build an assembly plant you build conveyor belts to transport your materials from the smelter to the assembly plant and it just grows and grows mm. and grows until the point where you have this gigantic factory with these complex conveyor belt systems that go all <laughs> over the place. And I don't know, 
I don't know for the life of me why it is so goddamn satisfying. <laughs> but like, geez, man, when you when you have the large factory and you see everything running like clockwork and you're just completely hands off, you're not even I mean, you're not even playing the game anymore. You're just kind of watching <laughs> stuff happen. It is it is immensely satisfying. And as you get later in the game, it's not even I mean, yeah, it's hands off. But eventually, like, you know, OK, I need to build. I need to build an assembly plant to create this particular type of research material so I can, you know, go forward in the tech tree. Mm-hmm. Okay, but if I do that, then I have to create more electronic circuits and more iron pipes. So I have to go do that. And eventually what happens is your factory starts getting these bottlenecks. And the fun of the game, and I can't believe I'm even calling this fun, <laughs> but the fun of the game is finding out where the bottlenecks are. And then, okay, how can I create more of that particular material? But you're just constantly like plugging these holes in your factory where, oh my God, it's, it's so engrossing. It's absolutely disgusting. So Paul, does this game scratch the same itch as SimCity, essentially? Yeah, pretty much. It's, I would say it's more addictive than SimCity because in SimCity you're, you're building but there are kind of fewer problems to solve, mm. so to speak. Everything just kind of builds and you're not really... And the, there's no goal as well with yeah. SimCity. Like with Factorio, there is an end game. Like there's a goal in sight. And any game with a tech tree, as anybody who's played Civilization <laughs> can tell you, any game with a tech tree, you're just like, you get this new tech and you want to try it out. And in the meantime, you're researching the other tech and it just it just continues, right? Like, mm-hmm. And there are certain milestones as well, technology-wise in the game. Like as soon as you unlock uh, robotics and self-automated robots that can transport materials, like the game just explodes from there. And it just, you know, everything becomes so much easier. And you have all these little, like you were saying, Ozzy, all the little robots flying around and stuff. It's, it's absolutely crazy. So... Yeah, it it scratches that itch, but it's actually even more addictive mm. if you can if you can believe it. I don't know if you finish the game, but is there do you think this is something that like if and when you finish it because there's that end goal, like is this a game you can go back to and sort of try to do things a different way or is this like a one-shot sort of I've done it once and there's not a lot to like explore here? Yeah, it really depends on it really depends on your attitude. Okay. So I have finished it. And as soon as I finished it, I was like, oh, my God, I have to go back because my factory <laughs> was just like this, this hodgepodge of like, you know, conveyor belts. And it didn't really make a lot of sense. Everything was just kind of ad hoc. Yeah. And anybody who was like a professional factorial player would look at it and just, <laughs> you know, shake their head. Right. <laughs> But with that said, I have had a more difficult time going back to it because it's like, oh, man, now I got to solve this problem. Oh, I've already solved that before. (laughs) Do I have to do this again? So like, yeah, I'm still playing it, but it's not quite as engrossing as the first time, much like with with any video game, right? mm -hmm. That's just how it is. Let me ask you, Paul. um, I know that there's a big community out for this game. Is this a game that you would want to mod? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like there are there are some mods out there and there are some factory designs out there that are just like I can't <laughs> believe people are coming up with this stuff. Like the the way they have their conveyor belts set up and I'm 
Oh my god, it sounds so aggressively unexciting, <laughs> but I can't tell you how amazing it is. It's oh my god. I wish god. people could see the smile on your face as you talk to us about yeah, conveyor yeah, belt yeah, blowing. The ex- yeah. The excitement that you have right now, I'm like, ooh, I want to see more. Oh my god. And and talking to my wife about it is the best because she'll be like every day she's like, How's your factory? And I'll and I'll give her the updates. And the updates invariably... So I forgot to mention as well, one other thing this game has that SimCity doesn't and that kind of creates tension and makes it, you know, a little bit more addictive Mm -hmm. is that as you go through the game, you create more and more pollution. Your factory creates more and more pollution, right? Mm -hmm. And what the pollution does is it acts as food for the alien natives of the planet, right? Mm -hmm. Technically, you're the alien, but whatever. Yeah. So, like, they're these giant, like, roach monsters. They're fucking disgusting looking. <laughs> and they, and as you create more and more pollution, there's more and more of them. They they evolve, they get more aggressive, and you have to build defenses for your uh. factory, right? Or else they come in there and they just, they just fuck it up, right? Yeah. And so, what would happen is my wife would ask me, she's like, how's your factory going? And I'm like, well, I'm creating more and more pollution, so I'm having to kill off the natives <laughs> in order to expand my production. And it just, and it just, like, it escalates from there, right? Like, you know, she's like, "How's your factory?" Well, you know, the uh, the automated robots are taking care of everything. So now I, and she's like, "Oh, so you're hiring fewer and fewer workers and and putting them out of work?" And I'm like, "Well, technically, the goal is to not have any humans at all. Yeah. You know, I just want robots." <laughs> And she's like, oh, interesting. You know, this is very union friendly. So, uh, Paul, <laughs> would this game prompt you to play another game like Satisfactory, which is a first person game that basically essentially tries to do the same thing in terms of factory building and stuff? Yeah, I'll play I'll play any factory building game at this point. Are you kidding me? Like, I don't like in all honesty, I don't know how it gets better than Factorio. I think I think this is the logical evolution of video games in general, <laughs> and we can't really do better. But I'm I'm willing to try just about any kind of factory building game if if for no other reason than I can have conversations with my wife involving like, well, okay, so I've reached the point now where I can <laughs> enrich uranium two thirty eight into uranium two thirty five, and so I can finally get my nuclear production going and build the bomb. So that I can kill all the aliens once and for all. Yeah, yeah. Well, now that you have your fancy new PC, now you can actually play some of these games, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now that I've got uh, the... uh... I think you could mod it so you have to individually fire all of your human workers. And I think that would give you a larger sense of satisfaction. I agree. You bring them into your office. You offer them some coffee. (laughs) What I'd like to have is I'd like to have the factory actually use the materials to build homes for the workers ah. and then I would like to go to the house and fire them in front of their family. In front of the family. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think that would provide the, uh, the most satisfaction. Emergent storytelling at its best. <laughs> <laughs> Take that rhyme. Oh my, <laughs> oh my god. So anyway, yeah, Factorio, even at full price, well worth the uh, well worth the price of admission. It's not going to appeal to all of you, yeah. but to those of you who it does appeal to, it is it is just an endless. I swear to God, man, going on YouTube and seeing what, and like on Reddit, <laughs> and it's like, oh dear God, I can't believe people are doing this with this game. This is incredible, and uh, yeah, I'll stop now. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Anyhow, I guess that wraps it up, eh, guys? Yep. I Good think to me. So. Epic ending. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, as as always, everybody, thanks again for listening. Don't forget to rate and review the show. And uh, obviously, you know, visit us. Yeah. Uh, regionfreegamers.com. We put up companion pieces to most of our episodes. So come see us there. And uh, talk to us. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Uh, Twitter, because of the character limit, we are at Region Free Gamer. And on Instagram, we are at Region Free Gamers Podcast. Uh, we do most of our talking, I'd say, through Instagram. But yeah. get in touch with us anywhere. Mm. You know, we'll uh, we'll reply. We'll reply. We're pretty lonely, man. This virus has been taking its toll. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks right, again good. for listening. Yeah, See you next time. See you guys. Later, all you all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs>